This is Premier Max Podcast number 46, and today we're talking about pistol shrimps. So that's right, there's a shrimp out there called a pistol shrimp, and what these shrimps do is that they can shoot a jet of water, which then collapses on itself into vapor, and then making a cavitation. This cavitation has a really high pressure that then stuns its prey. So in other words, it shoots from the hip and then eats its prey. So that's pretty cool. And to do that, we're going to look at a paper called Unveiling the Physical Mechanism Behind Pistol Shrimp Cavitation. And for those of you who haven't seen this, check out this video that I've just put in the card above. This takes you to National Geographic and they show you a little video of this pistol shrimp in action. It's really cool. They come back here and watch the rest of this podcast. Okay, so I assume you've seen that video. And I think we can all agree that that's quite amazing. So you saw the claw, how it cocked, and then it released it and it fired this invisible jet effectively you can't really see it It hit the other shrimp it killed the shrimp and now it can eat it and so how does that work so it's not just hydrodynamics it's also aerodynamics and it takes advantage of something called cavitation cavitation is this uh, phenomenon where when you have a high enough pressure you can then create water vapor and then uh, this will then create these bubbles Sorry, I mean, it, it's um, low pressure, which then vaporizes, which creates these bubbles, and then they collapse on themselves, creating high pressure. And this high pressure is so great, it's so massive, like me, <laughs> that it can <laughs> take out bits of metal. Like, if you look at ships and submarines and whatever, especially if they're like 10 or 20 years old, you look at the propellers, you look at this, you can see these dents coming out of them. That's from cavitation, these bubbles that are formed due to low pressure, have now collapsed on themselves and there's so much pressure involved in that that it actually takes bits of metal off of them the object and the pistol shrimp uses this to its advantage to be able to stun its prey so let's look into how this works with this paper it's open access so you can find it in the link in the description and while you're at it make sure to like subscribe and share this with your buddies okay so the snapping shrimp as they call them pistol shrimps or snapping shrimps they use a specially shaped claw so we saw that in the video where one um, pincer was a little bit differently shaped to the other pincer one of the pincers has this cavity in it the other pincer has this little hammer-like structure and then when it snaps shut the hammer goes into the cavity it shoots water out of the special hole uh, a um, like a specific hole that it has and then that creates this um, phenomenon here and we'll talk about that they use simulations to show that during the claw closure, this high-velocity jet forms and it induces a vortex roll-up around it. And if the speed is high enough, the intensity of this vortex motion is so strong that it can depressurize the vortex core, leading to vaporization of water and then that leads to cavitation. And this cavitation collapses and creates high pressure. And they say that cavitation is a very effective way of generating shocks. And it doesn't just occur on these pistol shrimp. It, it, as I said, it can occur on um, like ships and submarines, but it can also occur on regular animals such as dolphins. And they say here that dolphins cannot swim faster than 15 meters per second due to cavitation formation on their flippers, which causes pain for them. On the other hand, uh, there are other uh, animals out there such as the mantis shrimp, they have two, they say two hammer-like or club-like appendages. And when they strike them together uh, to kill their prey or stun their prey, that also creates cavitation sometimes, but that's an unwanted effect because that damages their claws. Whereas the pistol shrimp, on the other hand, 
it seems to be the only animal that has evolved, at least as far as we know, that has evolved to have this specifically happen. Because even though the claws can get damaged, if one of the claws gets too damaged, it just sheds that and grows another one. It's pretty amazing. And they say that the, as you said, the claws are expendable. And interestingly, when let's say the larger claw is, is um, shed, the smaller claw will then grow to take the place of the large claw and then it will grow the other side to fill in that small claw. So that's pretty amazing. And they say when the claw is fully opened, so when we saw that video it opened, the water obviously fills the socket because now there's a void there and the water rushes in. Then when the claw closes rapidly, the hammer, so the plunger bit, goes into that socket and then water expels, creating a vortex ring in similar ways as an air vortex cannon. And they say that the shrimp is, the claw is a very complex, complex 3D shape. So instead of using a, a piece of shrimp's claw, they built a specific device for this. So those of you who can see the paper and are playing at home or watching this, you can see this device on the right here. And it's effectively, for those of you who can't see, it's just this on the bottom, you have a, um, a little perspex channel and it's open on one end. Then on the top, you have a hammer and then you can release the hammer into this perspex box from the top. And that makes all the water rush out. And this approximates the shrimp claw. And they say that the jet velocity has been estimated by other researchers to be 25 meters per second. Now, interestingly, interestingly they say that the pressure drop, they think, is about 300,000 pascals. So that's very high. Now, interestingly, they also say that other um, investigations have suggested that it can be as high as 2,000 bar. So 2,000, oh, 2 billion pascals. So not 2 million, 2 billion. That's really high. So obviously, it's a long range. In other words, what they're saying is uh, they don't really know how high the pressure is. It's between very high and insanely high. <laughs> And in this work, they're looking into a bit more how high that pressure is and we'll find out later just how high it is. It's pretty mind-blowing. And they say that the cavitating flows are known to have a vast variation in speed of sounds from 0.01 meters per second for a liquid vapor mixture. So when you have the cavity forming, obviously you have a certain amount of water still in there and a certain amount of air. So that's this mixture and the speed of sound can be very low, so 0.01 meters per second or it can be very high, up to uh, 1,000 meters per second, if it's just pure liquid. And they say that the Reynolds number of the jet is about 4,000, based on its diameter. And then they have their, their results. So let's look into them a little bit before we look into, before we read what happens. So in figure two, we have, they say, the real-life claw model that they used, and it's going through the closing process. And you can see that the vortices are shown with the they say the second the velocity gradient second invariant. I just want to touch on this briefly. I'm not going to explain it completely because it's very intense in maths and you get both on your board. But when you have a flow, I've mentioned this in other podcasts that when you have vorticity, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a vortex. And there are ways of determining whether you have a vortex or not. One way is called the Q criterion, which is the what they say here, the velocity gradient second invariant or the second invariant or the velocity gradient. And what this does is you can determine whether um, certain criteria are fulfilled. And if they are, then you know that there is a vortex there. The Q criterion is a very popular way. 
Another way is the lambda two method. I personally prefer the lambda two method. It's a little bit more complex in terms of math, but it's um, more robust. And then you can also use circulation. I like circulation as well because um, I've done a lot of work on airfoils and we use circulation on airfoils a lot. So having circulation in vortices, it really is a nice intuitive way for me to think about it. But all these three ways are, are good and there are other ways as well. Criterion and Lambda 2 are the most robust. So what they have here is the criterion plotted from zero above. When you have anything above zero, you have a vortex forming. And you can see there are all these weird vortices forming through the initial closure stage. And as you close through, the water shoots out of that hole and they have this vortex ring forming. And notice it's not really circular. It's more, it's more down as you go in time. So this last uh, snapshot here, you can see that the vortex ring is not really coherent anymore. It's just imploding on itself. And they talk about what happens. They say, as the plunger starts to move, flow detachment occurs and two counter-rotating vortices form at the wake of the plunger, indicated with one. So on the edges here, when the flow separates from the hammer, you have these vortices forming. They say, an attached vortex grows at the wall edge socket and then due to the fluid being expelled uh, through the socket cavity. And they say, because of the closure speed, the high speed jet is expelled with from the opening between the plunger and socket walls and up to 30 meters per second. And that causes this vortex roll up. And within this vortex roll up, you have cavitation forming. So there's low pressure enough. So a vortex core is a very low pressure region. And so you have this vaporization occurring and that's when you get cavitation. And then you get this imploding on itself and that's when you get that high pressure. And let's go to figure three now. So this is what we started off with in the podcast. And you can see just how rectangular this vortex ring is as you shoot the fluid through the hole. Now that didn't sound right. Okay, let's move on. So you shoot the fluid through the hole, it creates a vortex ring, and then it um, stretches. And because the, these the vorticity around this ring is um, impacting each other. So that's why you get this change in this structure. So it's imploding on itself. And then finally you have this and not coherent structure. And they say that the this is this rectangular shape is because of the cap the channel is rectangular as well. And they say that its shape still resembles a rectangle later on, but it has smooth corners under the influence of viscosity. So these edges are being taken off of the corner of the vortex ring. And they say at 0.315 milliseconds, the vortex ring is completely detached and travels with the the um, jet. And it gets elongated and finally approximates effectively two cylinders rotating around uh, the, their axes and they implode. And then they have this other figure here, which is quite cool. Again, they have the Q criterion plotted and they're showing the amount of uh, cavitation. So whenever you see a black hashed region, that's when you have a vapor, they say a vapor volume fraction of 1% is that isosurface. So you can see as you start off, you have quite a big isosurface and there's quite a lot of volume there. Then as you go with time, this isosurface starts to get smaller and smaller, which means that there's actually less volume, which is um, being occupied by vapor. But because it's getting smaller, it's getting more concentrated. And then in this figure here, they show just how these, um, these vapor pockets evolve over time. So you have anywhere where there's this black line, this outline, you have the vapor constituent is about 50%. So at least 50% of this is vapor, the other 50% is not. 
and inside that you get more and more vapor so that's this cavitation pocket and as they come off of the hammer or out of this cavity you have these two main regions and then this bigger region breaks down into two smaller ones and they have very high pressure in these regions and they break down and they say that at minimum uh, ring radius and the final stage of the collapse the pressures generated are in the order of 100 bar and this high pressure obviously stuns the prey now 100 bar 100 megapascals to give you an idea the tensile strength of aluminium is about 11 megapascals this is 100 megapascals now obviously they're not the same thing but this is just to give you an idea of the the force we're and the pressure we're dealing with the tensile strength of mild steel is around 200 250 megapascals so it's not that high but it's more than enough to overcome aluminium if you apply it correctly and they say that as the as you have c1 and c2 coming off of the hammer as i said they break down c1 is only breaks down into two small ones so obviously this region here is too large to sustain itself and it has to break down into two small ones in order to uh, in fact it actually grows a little bit from um, the initial time step going to the third time step it goes through a smaller phase and then a bigger phase now before we go any further i just want to say check out our courses that we do here so if you can get better at theory like what we're looking at here now or cfd which is also this cfd or experimental you can take our courses and get better so you can show all your friends who's the best aerodynamics and who doesn't want that so let's move on and they say that in nature obviously you don't get identical structures so every pistol shrimp is going to be slightly different and that means the claw size is going to be different the closure speed is going to be different the size of the cavity inside the claw is going to be different the hammer is going to be different how much volume you have left once the hammer um, takes up that space in the cavity is going to be different and that's going to be have a different effect on uh, the jet that you have the roll up of this vortex and then the final pressure that you get so to look at that they did a parametric investigation where they looked at different closure speeds of the hammer with uh, time obviously with time it takes less more time to go so in figure six they compare the velocity magnitude coming out with closure speeds of 0 0.3 0 0.4 and 0 0.5 milliseconds and you can see that as you obviously you have a faster closure speed the jet is higher which is to the, the um, jet speed is faster which is to be expected and that also comes with a higher vapor volume which also then will result in a greater pressure so the faster you can close that claw the more pressure you can generate and then stun your prey easier and they say indeed during the last stages of the pressure closure the plunger closure sorry the depressurization induced cavitation occurs between the socket plunger due to the expelled jet inertia thus shortly after jet formation flow rushes back at the cavity formed between the plunger and the socket so that's another little mechanism that happens and then in figure seven as i mentioned they just showed the amount of vapor volume there and then in figure eight they have a really cool figure which shows the pressure being uh, developed with time and you can see that as the initial let me zoom up a little, uh, a little bit as you can see at the first stage you have a very high volume of uh, vaporization so the cavitation and as that cavity bubble breaks down that's where you get the high pressure forming as we've been saying so this just proves it here with this nice figure here and they have pressures up to uh, 200 million um, pascals so that's quite amazing so summing up they say that the main mechanism of the cavitating claw operation in is vortex roll up 
so the vortex ring occurs and then this is induced by the high-speed gel ex expulsion from the socket. Depending on the plunger closure speed, the circulation of the vortex ring may become high enough to cause a considerable pressure drop inside the vortex core. Note you need to have a high enough pressure to have a vaporization being induced so the liquid becomes vaporized. That then leads to a cavity forming and then you get that cavity breaking down, collapsing on itself, increasing the pressure. And that's how the pistol shrimp stuns its prey. So that's pretty cool. I don't know of any other animal that can shoot anything. If you know, let me know in the comments. I'll be interested to find out. That's it for this video. Do us a favor and hit the like button. Do yourself a favor and hit the subscribe button. And do your friends a favor by sharing this with them. Win, win, win. If you have an aerodynamics problem you need solving, get in touch with us. We'll be happy to discuss what you need and how we can help. Our website is in the description. Also, check out the instrumentation we do at Pronarics and check out the CFD, Experimental, and Theory courses we do here. Links in the description. Peace out, amigos.